Hello and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast where we tell the stories of local business owners and Maine residents and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a local magazine that helps showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through the links in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Fabian Oil, a family-owned and operated business that offers heating oil and propane delivery services and repairs. Fabian has been serving Central and Northern Maine with propane and oil for over 30 years. As a local Maine business, they cherish the relationships they have formed by serving the people of their communities. In 2019, Fabian entered the Southern Maine region with a heating oil acquisition, and they have recently brought propane to the market. They are aggressive and would love to be your supplier. Give them a call at 207-793-2044 or visit fabianoil.com. In this episode, we'll be talking with Kim Lebrecht from College Solutions. College Solutions is a second-generation family business helping students identify colleges that are the perfect fit academically, socially, and financially. They have guided over 10,000 families through their college search since 1995. Their streamlined admissions process helps students choose the right schools for the right reasons. They keep the process fun, realistic, and maintain peace at the dinner table. Welcome to the show, Kim. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Someone's way happier and way more awake than we are. I know. I'm still working on my like third cup of coffee here. <laughs> well, yeah. you have to remember, I still have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old, so I've probably been up for a greater period of time than oh you have at this juncture. Oh, absolutely. Now I'm regretting having this having it this early. <laughs> yes. I'm, so I'm so excited to have you on the show today because I've already planned ahead so that when my daughter gets ready to go to college, like we we've already, you know, we're coming to you. So can you tell us and educate people that are listening, how does College Solutions help students and families? Tell us kind of how you do that and what you do. Yes. So our role is effectively to help students you know, eliminate 80 or 90% of schools that truthfully wouldn't be a good fit for them. So the foundation of our practice, so to speak, is to position kids in front of schools that are going to be excellent fits for them, not just academically, but also socially. So, you know, we have found over the last 35 years, actually, when my parents were a second generation local business, when my parents started our business, that consistently, despite the changing landscape of college admission and financial aid, we have consistently found that the core of what we do has remained the same. And it's Mm -hmm. for the very reason that when people are happy, they stay in their settings. It's Mm -hmm. effectively human nature. So In high school, kids are thrown in with the masses. What, What they get is what they get. And in college, some schools are more preppy, more artsy. Someone you know may fall neatly mm-hmm. into that category, your own little yeah. girl. Um, <laughs> the apple does not fall far from the tree, Todd. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but the, re- <laughs> the reality of it is, is that, you know, there are different types of colleges that exist. And mm-hmm. what is one person's medicine is another's poison. So we mm-hmm. have been effective in helping families identify schools that are going to be tremendous fits for their kids socially. 
And of course, academically, um, and a large byproduct of what we do is make sure that kids don't graduate with $200,000 in debt that they didn't have to have, but also that they're propelled into life in such a way that these colleges are preparing them for graduate school, law school, medical school, their first job, you know, whatever that next logical step may be for them. So Mm -hmm. our goal of our practice is to offer a really streamlined efficient segue into college admission and making sure that we're taking that sea of colleges, so to speak, that exist and narrowing it down to the student's pond size, allowing them to become much more efficient and spending time to focus on schools that are truly a great fit for them uh, in, in an umbrella you know, venue. And the hard part is that you know, the tools that are readily available to anybody are, you know, the first thing they ask is, what do you want to major in? Well, mm-hmm. 70% of students change their major. So mm-hmm. identifying schools solely on the basis of a major is truthfully not very strategic. So mm-hmm. our goal is, you know, we start with a student interview, which is way more painful, incidentally, for the parents than it is for the students because we don't let them talk. <laughs> Oh, that's a good idea. It's very hard when we start this process. You will see a puddle underneath Kim's seat, Todd. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the reality of it is, is that it's super important that kids connect with me. And it's really important that they view me as their ally and their asset. And, you know, how we help families is we are really good at positioning kids in, at, in schools where they're going to have the best four years of their life so far mm. and that they're not graduating with a mountain of unnecessary debt. And, awesome. you know, it all starts with, you know, a structured program and that interview really kicks things off. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to touch base on just something you talked about. I love this part of your story um, and the fact that you guys are a family-run business. Can you tell tell us how that started and just give us a little background on that? Because I, I really love that part. It's such an actually cool story that I don't get the chance to tell frequently. But so my parents, Brenda and Jeff Morrison, started College Solutions in 1995 on Congress Street in Portland. And, you know, the the concept of our business, as I had mentioned, the landscape has always remained the same in terms of helping kids identify settings where they're going to thrive academically and socially. Um, But just last night when I was sharing with my mom, Brenda, who you know, Kim, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I had asked her was about, you know, what is, you know, the history of college solutions? And obviously it's something that I I know, but it's always interesting because every time I ask her that question, I get more information than, you know, Mm. you learn something new. Um, Mm. So how we got started was, um, or, or I guess a segue of how college solutions, the idea even formed was my father, who was probably the brightest man that I've ever met. He actually worked for um, the government as an undercover Mm -hmm. agent. And in the late end of his career, the government was sued for the financial aid formula. Effectively, you know, people wanted to know why families were funded. So a bell went off and he saw the opportunity, a niche, so to speak, to grow a business and 
effectively, he started to dabble in college admission and financial aid. So Mm -hmm. long story short, about eight years later, after getting some footwork of his own, my parents started College Solutions. And Mm -hmm. it was the you know, epitome of an instant success story. Mm. And one of the things that my mom had talked about last night is she said, you know, your brother and you spent a lot of time with your grandparents at night during the week because we brought to the table information that everybody was hungry for. Mm. There there was not an internet with an instant amount of information. And the conundrum now is that the information that's available on the internet as as families approach this process is not always accurate or good information. And it's definitely not a one size fits all. Mm. But to go back to it, my parents, I think you maybe even had a career in direct mail before, Kim. I feel like we've had that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So we, my parents utilized, you know, direct mail and they would, they, you know, took the plunge and spent back then what was a lot of money on an insert in the Portland Press Herald. Mm -hmm. And they started holding seminars. And from there, they were getting 350 people a night, three or four times a week showing up at these seminars. And my dad would just basically present. So College Solutions was built overnight and You know, it's seen a lot of navigation over the course of the last, you know, 20 plus years, which has been exciting, uh, especially Mm -hmm. since I've been around for over a decade of it, uh, doing this as a career. Um, But that's how College Solutions started. Um, It's amazing. Yeah, it's been fun and interesting and hard and all of the things that you expect from a small business. Yeah, absolutely. One question I had was uh, the academic part of it, and, and I can see a lot of that information being readily available. How do you deal with the social aspect of it? Because you said that you try to find the best social fit for students as well. How do you kind of approach that side of it? Yeah, that's an excellent question because it's truly the core of what we do. So when we look at colleges, a school that is a good fit for one student is really not a good fit for another student. And mm-hmm. in part, the transfer rate is up over 40%. And it also dependent on where you are in the country too. But the national average is close to 40% of students transfer, which is really alarming. Um, wow. And kids tend to transfer, Todd, because they're finding schools for the wrong reasons. They're, you know, choosing schools on the basis of major, which, you know, as I had shared earlier, over 70% of students change their major. Mm-hmm. I often say, I'm, you know, I'm almost 35. I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't expect these kids mm-hmm. to have it all figured out at 16 yeah. or 17. But the reality of it is, is that when you're choosing schools on the basis of location, major or size, These are not tools that are utilized to identify a school based on fit. So to answer your question, during that student interview, we talk about geography. We talk about setting. We talk about size of the school. We talk about things that you would expect to be relevant, you know, communication during these interviews. But we also talk about things like preppy artsy, sporty, tech diverse. Mm. We talk about learning environments. You know, again, not one size fits all. Most Mm. kids do better in a smaller classroom where they have more attention as opposed to less. Um, Mm. Many students thrive in settings that are going to be not one that they're used to or acclimated to, but when they can have a discussion-based classroom 
and they absorb more information and they're not leaving and relying on things like YouTube to self-teach. Mm-hmm. These are all really important parts of, of the equation, so to speak. That's so nice. the student interview takes about 30 minutes and it is the very first piece of what we do. So I build a list of schools on a really you know inclusive, qualitative interview. And at the end, it's a great opportunity for me to ask parents, what didn't I ask them? What didn't they tell me? Mm-hmm. Contribute your perspective. So we take that qualitative, marry it with things like a transcript, PSATs, which SATs, that's like a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of kids don't test well. Some kids test very well. There's usually not a whole heck of a lot of in between. But the reality of it is, is that our expertise and us getting out and seeing colleges and, and and knowing what settings kids are going to be happy is why people mm-hmm. hire us. But it's truly just the first step because, you know, I can share the timeline of what we do, which is fairly quick, but it really shows the evolution because that list that we provide, students then go on and do what's called a, a school list discovery. And awesome. from there, they they we have their next meeting. And at the next meeting, they tell me which schools they loved which schools they didn't like and why. And Mm -hmm. from there, we begin the kickoff to the process and the evolution that we expect to see out of the the school uh, list program is one that when we position kids closer to the dartboard and we position them in front of schools that they're bound to like, Mm -hmm. that's how we drive our transfer rate down to under 1%. Because we expect the evolution to occur on the school list. But when you get kids in front of schools that are settings that they're going to thrive, the rest becomes very easy. That's Mm. great. Yeah. So one of the things I kind of wanted to ask now is, so the next step is, of course, we're kind of heading towards, we're hurtling at this point, now that we've gotten past the the holidays and everything, we're hurtling towards the end of the school year. And it's going to be starting to think of next year and and beyond. What are some of the things that high school sophomores and juniors can kind of do, start doing now to help prepare for college or, or the process of thinking about college? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I'd almost like to tackle your question, Todd, by sharing the timeline of what we do, because Mm -hmm. what it does is through that timeline, I think it's super effective for families listening in or preparing for future years. You know, what are the steps ahead of me? Sometimes when I share this timeline, it's like you can feel the jaw drop (laughs) through the phone because parents are like, wow, I I just, I didn't realize that there was so much to this, but Mm -hmm. you know, our program is structured in such a way that it keeps us all accountable and it allows the evolution of the school list to evolve. And often without, there are certain trigger points in the process that I think are really key to finding the right school. And, Mm -hmm. you know, our goal is to help kids find the right schools for the right reasons. And often these steps are they're not taken, which I, I really am a firm believer that that's why our transfer rate is so high. If if we give kids the chance to identify the schools that are going to be great fits for them and not give them a list that fails them at the end, then everybody would be in much better shape, you know, mm-hmm. doing this even on their own. So I can give you the shotgun approach yeah. to the timeline. Would you like me to do that? Yes, please yeah. do that because yeah. I think that would be really good for people to hear and so that they can kind of start preparing now. 
Exactly. So, you know, we like people to start in their sophomore year um, because Mm -hmm. what it does is it gives us a chance to walk into the process, Kim. So that way it's easier on the student. There's less angst surrounding things. People know what's ahead of them. So often a question we have is when's the ideal time to start? I would say at some Mm -hmm. juncture in the sophomore year, but back end of the sophomore year. So for instance, where we are right now in the sophomore year, perfect time to start. Um, Mm. essentially we get started with that student interview that I had shared earlier, the one where I tease where parents aren't allowed to talk during it, um, which is Mm -hmm. super hard as a parent, but it's really important because we don't want kids to look to their mom and dad for all of their answers. We want them Mm. to, you know, connect with me, give their gut reaction to their questions. So Mm -hmm. we start with a student interview and from there I marry their transcript and their PSATs, which, you know, only paint one part of the picture. And I produce a list of schools that's going to give them everything that they want, but more importantly, everything that they need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about a lot of varied things from cost of attendance. Not all schools are great with funding. Some schools are excellent with funding. And the hard part is as families tackle this process on their own, they often have what's called tuition shock, you know, sticker Mm -hmm. shock. Some schools Mm -hmm. look like they cost $70,000 a year, but we take those schools and for many families turn them into costing, you know, half of that or less. So Mm. one school will admit one student for one reason, and that same school will not admit another school for another reason. So our expertise in in the process is knowing the nuances and the politics, Mm -hmm. so to speak, of admission. So when we craft a list of schools, it's based on everything we talked about in that interview, but also the wherewithal that we have from having 35 years experience in the business. So Mm -hmm. kids get that list of schools and they start something called a school list discovery. Um, Mm -hmm. We, you know, online, I always joke and say, even I look pretty online, (laughs) you know, it's (laughs) all Photoshopped and fun. And, you know, there's no bags under my eyes on that picture because they've been, you know, taken out. But the reality of it is, is that Online research can only get you so far. Mm. It's a critical first step, you know, a, a first read, so to speak. But getting kids on campus is undoubtedly the m- biggest piece to refining a list of colleges. Mm-hmm. So, part two of that timeline is after kids conduct their on- online research and we have a meeting and, you know, the face, the, the list, part of me, faces instant negotiation where we're eliminating some that they didn't like and learning why, keeping others, making additions. We then get them out to see colleges. So there's a lot of handholding in the program and effectively we work to get kids out. So, you know, over the summer, that list will be refined down and additions and subtractions by way of school selection. And then once we move into junior year, we plan to get kids out to see colleges for the first time, which is super exciting. Typically mm-hmm. over the fall, getting their feet wet with some isolated visits. They'll take PSATs uh, for a second time traditionally in the fall. And then once we hit December, of their junior year. What happens is the ball drops and the marathon begins. So it's kind of walking steps back end of sophomore year, summer, and then, you know, it really gains stamina into the fall of junior year. And once we hit December, they have meetings 
basically every month. So it's kind of a wild ride over the next year. Um, A quick approach to the timeline is in December, we are evaluating their in-person visits. Kids come back and they're like, I loved this school because I didn't like this school because, you know, I've heard things, everything from, I didn't like the mascot. There was a road going through the campus and I didn't like it. So (laughs) these are, you know, intangible things that you just can't see on campus. The mood of the student and that basic question when kids see schools while they're in session, key thing here for listeners, don't visit schools in the summer. Don't visit them on the weekends. You want to see that school in full bloom. You want to be able to look at the student body and have your child say, I'll like them and they'll like me, which Mm -hmm. seems like something my seven-year-old would say. But the reality of it is, is that our high school kids are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. When kids are happy and they fit in, it's a setting that they're going to stay in. Yeah, that's great. So once we hit December, um, things you know really start to gain significant stamina. Um, yeah. Their feedback from their in-person visits, their PSATs are back, which is a tool that we'll sometimes utilize to plan for SATs. So we will give them additions and really start to curate their list of the looming big visits ahead of them in December. In January, we're sitting down and we're planning out all of their SAT test prep when they should be testing. And we like kids to be diligent about taking the SAT or ACT um, a couple of times, irrespective of whether they test well or not. It's important to just go through the process. And, you know, some students will have a, a more aggressive approach if they are looking at IVs or schools that require SATs. And other kids, we take an approach that is kind of underwhelming to test prep because the likelihood is that they're not going to submit SATs because they might not be strong enough and their schools don't require them. So these are really individual. And I'm a huge believer in grades are far more important than any SAT will ever be. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so are the colleges for that matter. So many schools no longer require them. So in January, we do a lot of planning and we'll plan for February vacation visits and we will plan for test prep and uh, testing times, which are typically in March and April of the junior year. So to, you know, look forward to that the back end of the junior year is the busiest time of the process. Um, kids get out over February break. They see their schools. We get back together in March for another meeting, and they tell me what they liked and didn't like about February visits. And from there, we plan April vacation visits. So big tip for listeners, do not plan you know, travel over February and April break of your junior year. It's critical to get kids out and see colleges while they're in session, and these prove to mm-hmm. be tremendous times to do so. Once we hit May of the junior year, we have their final list of schools solidified, which is super exciting. They've gone through the process in such a way that their school list is refined. We're all confident. The student Mm -hmm. has safety, reasonable reach schools on the list. You know, cost of attendance is something that we have, you know, continuous conversations Mm -hmm. um, about. And, you know, some families are saying, look, we don't even want to have a conversation about money. We can fully fund the education. We're okay paying $75,000 a year. Other families are saying, whoa, um, actually, the cost of attendance is the most important thing. And I would say that, you know, many of our families are somewhere in the middle where they're looking for the best value. They want Mm -hmm. the best fit at the best price. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to share that our average client saves over $35,000 a year in money that never need be repaid. 
And half of our clients don't qualify for need-based aid. So Mm -hmm. once we hit May, testing's done, school list is done. In June, we have something called a Common App Boot Camp, which is two hours to kick off the student summer. It won't be the highlight two hours of their summer, (laughs) but we get the damn thing done. And then then we move into July. And at that juncture, we're writing, or not we are, they are writing their college essay and we're helping to make sure that it's quality, that it's it's well edited, and most importantly, that it's authentic to them. Um, That's awesome. August, they get the month off because let's face it, it's the only like nice yeah. month of the year in Maine. Yeah. And then September and October are meetings that are devoted solely to application submissions where there's a lot of handholding and so much strategy involved in admission that is often overlooked. So basically from December through November of the junior year and, you know, December of junior year through November of the senior year, it's kind of a marathon. Kids get through the holidays and then we hit this point, you know, end of winter, beginning of spring. So typically March is when we're getting together with families to have what's called a comparison meeting. And then at that juncture, you know, we're evaluating. Right. Cost of attendance. Where are you going to be happy? Making a really calculated decision, I think, is something that we encourage families to do. And Mm -hmm. don't pick a school based on least cost. Don't pick a school based on, um, you know, a major because we know that that's likely to change. And I think what's really important for listeners is that people often do things backwards. Mm -hmm. And when you put the school selection first and you work to identify a list of schools that's not going to fail you at the end, too many reaches, too many safeties, schools Mm -hmm. that aren't good with funding. Those are pitfalls to the process. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, this is huge because just, you know, listening to all this, it's like they need to start the process their sophomore year. I mean, they, in, and that process needs to happen um, starting with the sophomore year to get to where they need to be. Yeah. So working from home in a pandemic, can you hear my dog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello. Totally okay. Um, that's a whole other show. Um, yeah. Totally like okay. Work this from is- home with a three-year-old, seven-year-old, and a dog that's that organic. at UPS because we do not go into stores. So. <laughs> it's all it's good. It's all good. Oh, my goodness. So what is your favorite part of working with students and families through this whole process? You know, that's a good question, Todd. And I feel like it's a really difficult answer. But I would say that every emotion is evoked possible in this process because of mm. you know the timeline that I just shared with you. We mm. deal with people's children and their money. Mm-hmm which are like the two, you know, people protect those things. And, you know, we often joke that, you know, of course we're remote at this juncture, but the tissues in our office are not for cold season. They are for everybody to use because tears are a thing. And part of how we get our transfer rate so low is because we're having all the hard conversations mm-hmm. and they really need to happen up front. But I would say that undoubtedly my favorite part is watching kids grow through the process. Because mm-hmm. when they start that interview, the very first time we meet, 
who they are six months, a year, a year and a half later, you know, just by osmosis of their own personal growth are two different people. And when the process takes shape and we find the right schools for the right reasons, it's super exciting to watch. And, you know, I, I call them my kids, <laughs> you know, they, they, and I mean that sincerely. Once, once I mm-hmm. take somebody under my wing, it becomes my prerogative to make sure that we're getting this right, because this is not yeah. just some little thing. This is four years of their life that we want to get right. And it's the largest investment that a student makes outside of the purchase of a home typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, I've like, I'm in retrospect, you know, I, I, I feel like I had a pretty good college, college experience, but I'm, I'm kind of feeling like if I'd had something like this, yeah. how, how much different it could have been Um, just because you're you're paying for your experience and and the the idea that when we make these big purchases like uh, but you know when you're when you're talking about a house purchase I mean how many times do you do you most people really buy a house you know maybe once or twice maybe three times in your life you only make this decision for college a lot of emotion once per child usually and that's a that's a whole lot to do. I'm doing the and, ugly cry already thinking about it. And without the experience of going through that process, I can see how it would be, you I'm know, in sure. my case, it's it's pretty much luck that I wound up at a school that I was pretty I was pretty happy at, and you know. But then again, I also had all of the things that you're talking about. Like I I I was undeclared for two years, change major uh, twice, <laughs> you know, like all the stuff that, exactly. that could have gone wrong. Yeah. I was the example for, yeah. but, uh, but this is so valuable. This, this valuable, service that yeah. you're offering. And and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it really is. It's, uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't look forward to navigating it on our own. And that's why I'm, I'm thankful that there's, you know, there's companies like yours out there that can help in that process. So, but one of the things I wanted to ask him is, you know, how do you, how would you say you define success? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think that for me personally, and I often, there's, I feel like there's always such a conflict. I'm sure you feel the same way as a business owner mm-hmm. where, where do you draw the line between personal and professional? And I feel like mm-hmm. my professional success stems from my own wherewithal inside internally and bravery I think Mm. comes to mind. Mm. I know what it feels like to kind of hit rock bottom and grow from there. And I think Mm. that anybody that is successful has learned from, you know, their mistakes, has learned from obstacles that they had nothing to do with, that they had to overcome. And, Mm. you know, when I look at successful people, which sometimes that means just getting up (laughs) and doing the day, right? Um, When everything makes it feel like you don't want to. But Mm -hmm. I think that for me, success is something that is probably, I find to be the most brave thing that you can do because it means that you're coming out of your comfort zone and it means that you're pushing yourself and it means that you're putting yourself out there and and making yourself incredibly vulnerable, which I feel like defeat is one of our, our greatest lessons that we can have in life. And, you know, I watch those who are successful around me And it Mm -hmm. really inspires me to keep going. And, you know, no matter what path life takes you or or with business and and the Mm -hmm. growth that we have, I find that people who are brave 
are those who tend to be successful because they're willing to mm. take that next step to put yes. themselves out there and to get up yep. every time they're knocked down. Yes. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and speaking of inspiration, uh, who or what inspires you, either professionally or personally? I think that my sources of inspiration definitely personally, my mom, um, just because mm. she's- I love your mom. <laughs> She is our, a ticket, that woman. <laughs> but, you know, she's incredibly resilient. Mm. You know, I often will share the story that my dad, who started our business, he passed away six years ago. And, you know, I was very fortunate to be in the process of taking over our family business for years before, you know, he had terminal cancer and it was quick, you know, thankfully for him. But, my mom actually was diagnosed with breast cancer while my dad was in a seven month period of his terminal illness. And, you know, I had taken over our business. So it was a year of turmoil. So, you know, when I say that I know what it feels like to hit rock bottom for us, that felt like rock bottom. And it was really yeah. hard to get up every day and run a business mm. that I no longer had the support of my dad from. And my mom was, you know, working to, you know, try to make sure that she beat this, you know, ugly disease on her own. So mm -hmm. she's a source of inspiration because I feel like she remained compassionate to others despite the hardships that we felt like were so dark in our family. And uh, when I wake up and, you know, the days are hard and my kids didn't sleep or, uh, you know, I've got a 10 hour day ahead of me, which is super common in my busy seasons. It's like, well, if she could do that, I could do that. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, so inspiration, definitely my mom, uh, my husband, who, as you know, recently started a business during a pandemic in August yeah. of 2020, who's had two major spine surgeries in the last year alone is an inspiration. But, you know, I also feel like, I'm inspired by other people's success. So watching mm -hmm. small businesses grow is mm -hmm. is something that I love and it makes me feel so good inside. Like, you know, sugar mamas, you guys, you, mm -hmm. you know, oh, Sarah. Oh, yeah. I love them. Um, I yes, love her and Haley. And watching other small businesses grow yeah. is something that inspires me because yes. I know how hard that yes. is. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much more than meets the eye. And what I love about Keep It Local Maine is that your brand represents so much more than just what people do. So sure, you know, we provide, you know, a solution to a college search, but there's so much more than just that timeline. And there's so mm -hmm. much behind the scenes that, you know, you and Todd, you know, live on a daily basis. And it's going to make me cry. <laughs> well, it's hard. Like that is, <laughs> it's so hard. And I think that, you know, they say, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of small businesses fail. And yeah, I, I honestly think it's because nobody realizes how hard it hard. is yes. to run a yes. business and you yep. wear a lot of hats. So when mm -hmm. I see other people's success, it like pushes me to keep going because, if they can do it, so can I. Yes. And, you know, some people I think are envious of success and I'm your biggest cheerleader always. And I get that from my mom, I think. Um, I love that. But I, I, you know, I'm inspired by other people who are yeah. getting up every day, doing what they're passionate about and just mm -hmm. making it happen. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. That's yeah. So true. So, so resonating resonates. 
Yeah, definitely. And you know, thank you, thank you for yes. sharing your story because I think that's going to be inspirational for a lot of Absolutely. other people, uh, yeah. and not just informational for for students and families, which this has been. This is yeah. a, a ton of great information, but I think your story is is very inspirational. Thank you for sharing that and. You know, thank you for taking time yes. out of your day to talk with us and, and to share. And, and especially thank you for your very kind words yes. for us. It, yes. it started getting a little dusty here in our <laughs> office. Uh, my hay fever started acting up a little bit. It, I don't know what happened there. But it's encouraging, you know, other business owners listening to this. They, I mean, they get it. You get it. You know how hard it is and just to keep going. So thank you for sharing that. That was that was great. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and we'll be sure to sure to post all of your, uh, your the link to College Solutions as well as phone number, uh, social media. All of that will be yes. in the show notes. So definitely, if you have someone, if you have a student who is who is getting into high school here, now is the time to start start, start the thinking process, about this. People, Woo-hoo. don't wait, and don't let wait. The fun begin. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it you, is like fun, say, by the way. The process yeah. is so fun. I mean, Good. I am a fan of, you know, keeping things light, you know, being realistic, but also yeah. life is way you too gotta have fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have fun. So definitely give Kim a call. Yes. And again, thank you so much for thank taking you. time out today and, and have a great rest of your day. And we wish you tremendous success yes, going absolutely. forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you guys. You're the best. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fabian Oil. Be sure to contact them for all your propane and heating oil needs using the information in the show notes. And thank you for listening. 